Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth in our series of Light Sensitivity Awareness Podcasts. My name is Rodney Mountain, and today I'm here with Professor Sally Ibbotson and Anne Sievright, one of our patients. We're recording from the Scottish Photobiology Service in the Photobiology Unit at Ninewells Hospital, and we're here today to discuss light sensitivity. This series of podcasts is part of an ongoing patient engagement work and process that our service is involved with. We're trying to raise awareness of light sensitivity conditions in order to reduce the time that it takes for patients to be referred to our services and also to improve the lives of our patients. So let's start with a few introductions. Could we start with you, Anne? Yes. Your background and who you are. My background is that I was self-employed for quite a while and I began to suffer from aches and pains. It takes me back and it's to those early days, very, yeah. very painful in the early days. It took a long time for my condition to be diagnosed, which mm. I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome after many years of going from hospital to doctor to hospital and different situations. Over the years, I began to have skin problems and photosensitivity. And my life became almost a standstill. Mm -hmm. My condition got so bad that I was housebound for quite a while at some stages. And it was a case of rehabilitation. I had a lot of heat treatment, mm -hmm. physiotherapy, just learning to get myself back into normality mm -hmm. in lots of different ways. It's been a slow progress. Skin condition flares up sometimes and I can't get out of the house for days on end because it affects my face mostly, mm -hmm. not my legs, my arms or any other part of my body, just from my chest upwards to my face and my head. I've had constant headaches over the years, but it's not been diagnosed as migraine or anything as such, but the photosensitivity keeps me housebound a lot as well. So it's just been a case of over the years pacing myself. So it's had a major impact on yes, your life uh, for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And things like work, and your family and all those so aspects of life. I had to take early retirement and close my business down. And my family more or less became carers in different mm. different ways. So it's been very, very difficult, yes. Yeah. And Anne, I think we are always interested to know this sort of journey as far as your skin condition. You mm -hmm. know, when you started to become aware of a problem, mm -hmm. that journey that you won before a diagnosis was made and, and how did that evolve? I think the skin condition started to show itself a few years into my diagnosis of chronic fatigue system, as did a lot of other things, mm -hmm. joint pain, mm -hmm. muscle pain, muscle... So there was quite a lot of overlap with things, yeah. Skin condition, photosensitivity, everything just all seemed to come at the same time yeah. or, or at different phases. Yeah. And that journey to actually come to a diagnosis of your skin condition, mm -hmm. how was that diagnosis actually made? Who did you see? Well, doctors initially, mm -hmm. and it was one steroid cream after another, mm -hmm. and doctors saying you've got psoriasis, because at one point my scalp was full of sores and boils. I was in a bit of a mess. The creams didn't help. I'm trying to think what else I've been prescribed. I can't really remember all, all of the prescriptions, but yes, there was... It's long with that, 30 years. Of, yeah. yeah, a lot, a yeah. lot. Eventually I was referred to... The Royal Infirmary in Glasgow, mm -hmm. which they did a lot of tests and experiments on my back to see what I was allergic to 
there was a few things there which I then learned how to look at ingredients and items, mm-hmm. cut out anything that had perfumes or anything like that. And yeah, after that, it was just a case of one day at a time. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'd have mm-hmm. a good day, a bad day, a good week, a bad week. I missed out a lot in life where family celebrations were concerned, mm-hmm. uh, weddings, funerals. So Christmas. that whole social impact's been quite big. Socially, yeah. you know, my yeah. life just became non-existent and it was very, very difficult for family members to understand what was going on with mm-hmm. me because I never, I never had the answers. I was living from doctor to hospital to clinic, mm-hmm. didn't know what was what. And I believe also some of my symptoms are arthritic now. Mm-hmm. So it just seems to go from one thing to another. There's no end to it. And my life can be very uh, restricted. Yeah, and the restriction from the light side of things, what do you have to do? Well, I'm never without sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Never. Sometimes indoors. I like to read and it's very difficult because I've either got to have a lamp behind me mm-hmm. to shine down and what I'm reading. I can't have a lot of bright lights in the room when I'm under right, fluorescent so lights or spotlights and I, I've just, I've got to turn them off. It just makes me feel I need to be in darkness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just can't cope. Sunlight. And coming into this room that we're in today as yeah, well, that's that was where there was bright. a window, it's yeah. too bright. Yeah. 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 Things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to it. I don't know what can be done about it. So I just cope on a daily basis. Oh, it's really tough. Yeah. I mean, do you manage to get outdoors and do yes, things that you... I try not yeah. to let it restrict me. Mm-hmm. But I really couldn't go outside without some eye protection. Yeah. I don't know how to overcome it. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. No. Um, and I, I know very little about these specific conditions, you know, and just getting a feel for if you had a bad reaction, what would happen to you, to your mm-hmm. face, to your upper part of your chest that you're describing? What actually happens? It just totally flares up. It becomes red and raw mm. and weepy. My lips swell. My mm-hmm. eyes are red with I just look like a lizard. That's the only way I can describe it. It makes me very, very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want people to see me like that. So I just close the door. I can last for a few days. And it lasts for a few oh, days. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had so many steroid creams and so many ointments and so many. I just don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. It's not a good life. A major impact on you. Yeah. And I'm not getting any, I mean, I'm 71 now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has been half my life, living like this mm. and having to explain to people why I can't. Very difficult. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. because I look healthy. Yeah. I mean, I've got all my makeup on today, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah. Would you mind if we turn to Sally just for an introduction no. and a perspective on things, yes. Sally? Thank you so much for coming today, Anne. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, because I know it's difficult for you. Yeah, so where we sort of come in to try and help is through the Scottish Photobiology Service, which is a service that's been set up for 50 years now, actually. Uh, And we're the only centre in Scotland that is available to investigate patients who have either suspected or confirmed abnormal sunlight reactions. Mm -hmm. And we're a clinical service, so we have sort of clinical members of the team. We also have scientific members of the team medical physics doctors as well. And the reason is because the equipment that we require to use to try and work out if people are abnormally light sensitive or not Mm -hmm. does require very sort of careful sort of calibration in order to make sure that we know whether reactions 
are what we would expect for the normal sort of population background or whether they would be considered abnormal. But the testing that we do does allow us to help to identify whether somebody has abnormal reactions to sunlight or not. And you describe a sort of very long and quite complicated story where you've obviously had lots of very impactful symptoms, some of which are not related to skin and light, Mm -hmm. the chronic fatigue and the the joint problems. And you obviously have lots of very difficult symptoms to Mm -hmm. manage. But the Scottish Photobiology Service, its role here would be to try and help out in terms of working out how much light is playing a part and Mm -hmm. what the role of light is. Mm -hmm. And if there are abnormal light reactions, which wavelengths of light are affected and can we help? And it was interesting in your case because the light testing, in fact, when we did the light Mm -hmm. testing, was normal, which is good in lots of ways because what it means is that your reactions are not out with what we would expect Mm -hmm. for the sort of normal background population. So it's good news in one way. But what it also does show is that you give a very clear story where light is aggravating your Mm -hmm. condition and Mm -hmm. if you don't mind me saying I think your skin condition that you had this redness Mm -hmm. and scaling and the weeping in the scalp and on the face Mm -hmm. has been felt to be consistent with something called seborrheic dermatitis which is your sort of skin diagnosis if you like and that actually is often aggravated by sunlight so what I mean by that is sunlight is not causing the problem but if you have the problem, sunlight can aggravate it. In the same way, probably, and I don't know if you feel other things aggravate it, but does heat or sweating or things like that aggravate it as well? Do you have other aggravating factors for it or stress? Or... No, I'm living a stress-free life at the moment. Okay. I'm so laid back. I'm uh, Probably heat, heat. now that I yes. think about it. Yes. Yeah. Because having had a hormone condition for a long time yes. as well, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had a hysterectomy in my 20s and I yes. had an early menopause. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm getting more symptoms now that I'm getting older. Yes, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I understand that. And so I think although here the light testing that we've done has, I mean, it's good in one way because it was normal, but mm-hmm. it's obviously, unfortunately, hasn't, hasn't yes. solved all your problems mm-hmm. things. But I think maybe where it has been useful is that often for patients such as yourself where there's lots of different symptoms Mm -hmm. and you possibly have a few conditions going on it's often quite helpful to be able to know okay we can work out in a bit more detail what actually the role of light or the role of the environment is here and did you find that getting more information was actually helpful for you in terms of empowering you a little bit to yes. understand a wee yeah, bit more about your condition. Definitely, definitely mm. helped. Mm. And to hear the testimonies of other people mm. who have been to the meetings as well, mm. that was very encouraging. Mm. I didn't feel so alone. I didn't no, feel that's that right. mm-hmm. all in my mind. Yes. You know? And I think what you mentioned there is our patient engagement program. Mm. And so that's been something that really has developed. I mean, as I say, our service has actually been around for 50 years, so a very long time. And we've always asked for feedback from patients in terms of fundamental things like was the waiting time acceptable etc but actually it came about and also through discussions with yourself Rod that we maybe weren't capturing what really really matters to our patients so what really does matter to our patients 
So in 2019, before the pandemic hit, yes. we held an event at the VNA, yes, which you went yes. to. And that was really just a sort of open house to have a very open discussion with patients and yes. all the photobiology service staff there as well mm. about what matters. Yes. And what interestingly, what came to light was, and I think it was very clearly shown in your case, is that often patients would wait years and years yes. to be taken seriously yeah. or to be in referred in up because they'd go and see their doctor and there would be nothing to see. And, and so they would take a long time to be mm -hmm. referred for testing and further investigation. And also that actually what mattered to patients was not necessarily all the things that us as the medical team had been thinking about. So we have since then embarked on a sort of series of different engagement events, one of which is these podcasts to try yes, and just yes. raise awareness about yeah. people who have either sun sensitive or sun aggravated yes. skin conditions. Mm -hmm. But also we, we do a twice yearly newsletter about photosensitivity in our service. We have twice a year at present virtual on Teams mm -hmm. patient engagement mm -hmm. events. And we've developed what, a sort of what we call a red flag card system that we've sent out to all primary care mm -hmm. practitioners in Scotland just to sort of put sun sensitivity and abnormal aggravation and reactions to sunlight out there on and the radar, yeah. really, just yes. to try and raise awareness. Well, so this is part of today, really, and thank you. Thank you very much for welcome. that. But one of the things we have found is that patients have really liked getting information because yes. it does put yes. you then in a position of yes. even if we can't solve the underlying problem possibly make you more in control and aware yes. of it Definitely. and I think you mentioned earlier on Anne before we started today that actually before all this you hadn't even particularly been aware of any particular link with aggravation by sun is that right? Yes and no. Mm. Because I've always had this condition, mm. it's difficult for me to pinpoint when mm. it actually mm. first started to mm. happen. I think that's right. I think it's difficult when you've had something for 30, 40, 50 years, trying to work out and, 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 and do the joints link in with this and does yeah, this yeah, link in with yeah. this and does the fatigue. Yes. Uh, so it is very, very difficult, it is isn't very it? Difficult yeah, indeed. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But um, the skin condition definitely has been here a long time as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. At the moment, I'm good. Mm -hmm. But next week I might not be, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. it just, you know. I mean, a, a question I've got for both of you is just, you know, skin creams and sun protection factors, are they useful in this condition? Well, you'll tell us in your case, Anne, I'm sure. Did you they? they can be helpful, but I think they what... can be helpful, mm -hmm. but a lot of time it doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the sun sense, mm -hmm. I never go without it on. And is SunSense a specific one? So SunSense yes. is one that we at present yes. have been able to prescribe, although mm -hmm. availability of sunscreens on prescription is difficult. Mm -hmm. Mine stopped and I just went into a panic and didn't know what mm -hmm. to use. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've now got one. I've got a big bottle. Mm -hmm. So that's the sort of thing you put on before you go out for a yes. walk? Yes. You live mm -hmm. up in Forfer and mm -hmm. you, out and about, you were discovering maybe going for walks earlier on yes. today. Yes, so it goes on. So you put that on yes. before you go out? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. We do find that patients with either light sensitivity mm -hmm. or light aggravation, that in terms of the sort of taking care in the sun, mm -hmm. the emphasis is sort of particularly on shade and hats and clothing yes, in sunny times of the well, year. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a sunblock. So the sunscreens will offer at best mm -hmm. partial protection. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking about protection against a normal sunburn, 
you can divide the number on the bottle by three or four to get the real mm-hmm. level of protection with any sunscreen. And that's just for normal sunburn, if you see what mm-hmm. I mean. Because the sort of studies have been done that show we can't use sunscreens at the amount and thickness that we need to to get that number that's on the bottle. So sunscreens, in a way, can almost offer a false sense of security because you yes. can think, great, a factor 60, I can go out for 60 yes. times as long. factor 50 is sun yes. sense, yes. Yeah. In actual no. fact, you no, I've never been a sun lover, so that's mm. not a problem. But the other thing is, actually, what we've increasingly done and do is to advise our patients mm-hmm. not to totally sun avoid. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, no. And you this was something light, that you know. with the pandemic, we've mm-hmm. sort of increasingly done because pre-pandemic we actually paradoxically used to use quite a lot of light treatments to try and desensitize and harden people and then when the pandemic hit we couldn't use hospital-based light therapy so we we actually developed a patient information sheet for trying to advise patients to try and naturally harden and naturally get some exposure and that's in many light sensitive conditions and in some light aggravated conditions getting low levels of sort of sub-triggering levels of exposure is actually much preferable Mm -hmm. to totally sun avoiding because if you're totally sun avoid but then you are caught out you're going to find that you're more sensitive and you'll get caught up with your vitamin d yes exactly i take take a vitamin b complex fish oil Mm -hmm. anything and everything yes Yes. i'm more on the healthy natural things Mm -hmm. rather than you know I don't take a lot of multivitamins because yes. I get plenty in my food. Yeah. I just I need the vitamin D and vitamin and D. And do you find that levels. being careful with the sun helps minimise the number of flares of your skin yes. that you get? Yes. 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 Do, does it make any difference? Do you think the sun protection to any of your other symptoms with your chronic fatigue or your joints? No, I don't think that makes any difference. Yeah. No. So I think they, no. I mean, I, I so can, they're probably quite distinct, don't they? I can go to bed one night perfectly normal, had a great day, no skin problems for a few days, and mm. I can wake up in the morning mm. with a swollen face. Yes. You know, I've changed all my bedding. Mm. I don't have feathers. Or, mm. You know, I've done everything to lessen. Mm. I keep a window open for mm. fresh air circulation, mm. and I do everything I can to help yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah. But it's still very restrictive. And over the years, the doctors have suggested antidepressants. Mm. I don't suffer from depression. I am just suffer from trying to cope with these problems that are in my life. Mm-hmm. So I've refused them. What are your coping strategies? What? Well, when I know there's a breakup on it and I get I get some little signs, can feel my heat, mm-hmm. can feel my face warming up, and uh, I think, oh yes, right, okay, we're not going out today. You know, mm-hmm. I, I do end my best to cope mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, when it just gets too much for me, there, there's not anything I can do other than just be in the house. And do you find you're much better in the winter, or is it not as seasonal as that? It's not seasonal. I don't mm. think it's seasonal. And that's probably no. why you weren't so aware of any link, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other little suggestions for other people from either of you, from clinical side or as a patient, that would be useful to other people? I think it'd be useful for other patients to have conversation in front of each other, to know how they cope with things and what their symptoms, what causes And realising that they're yes. not alone, that there's yes. a lot of people yes. out there. Yeah, yeah. How have you found family and friends in terms of their understanding of your condition very understanding it's hard sometimes on the grandchildren they don't understand why nana's always tired all the time mm-hmm. and, and can't do certain things but my older children mm-hmm. they prepare me like i said to 
mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. When I go down to Glasgow for a visit, they've got a bed ready mm-hmm. because they know the journey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. has its tail on me. You know, yeah. So they've really adapted with yes. you and yes, learned yeah, to, to 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 help you, which is yes, wonderful. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yes, and I think it's difficult because you obviously got a few different conditions mm-hmm. going I know, on, and I, I think the sort of light side of it here and the light testing mm-hmm. side of it mm-hmm. here is. Mm-hmm. is probably been helpful I would well hopefully mm-hmm. it's been sort of slightly helpful in trying to pick out one aspect this, this sort of skin it's been very encouraging aspect yeah, uh, of it yes, it has been helpful mm-hmm. yeah definitely mm-hmm. but I think also you do very clearly show through your story how having a chronic skin disease over many decades mm-hmm. can really take its toll oh, on yeah. life and I think one thing is to say that I would challenge anyone with a chronic skin disease not to have some psychological impact on their life. I would have days when I'm quite down, mm. you know, but I'm very optimistic. I'm very positive. Yeah. And I refuse to allow this to rule my life, as it were. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. I do my best. Yeah. I really do my best. Yeah. Well, Anne, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for you so sharing much. all of that. Yes, and thank Sally, you thank so you. Much. Thank you. As well. And uh, yeah, I think that's hopefully going to be very useful to a lot of other yes. people. Yes. And I think the other thing to say with that is that in your situation, and if you think back all those years, I think if you have got a chronic skin problem, then do do go and see your doctor and do push to be referred because actually that's what we're here for as a light testing service. And sometimes we will test and it'll be positive. And other times, as in your case, we'll test and it'll be negative, but that's just as important. Sometimes ruling out some types of light sensitivity and being able to say, well, we think this is aggravation rather than actual causation, if you see what I mean, what causes, um, are what, just as important. What causes it? Sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but what causes it? Well, seborrheic dermatitis in itself is actually a very common condition, mm-hmm. but obviously can have a variety of severities. So it can be just very mild to the point where someone might just feel they've got a bit of dandruff mm-hmm. through to more severe disease like yourself, where you describe it being very inflamed and weepy and basically stopping you from going out. Mm-hmm. And as with quite a lot of skin conditions, we don't fully understand its causation, but we think mm-hmm. that we all have sort of yeast on our skin as mm-hmm. yes. part of normal yes. life. Yes. And in some people, that yeast has a sort of propensity to overgrow and it can present yes. itself yes. Yes. as an itchy red inflamed dermatitis. Mm-hmm. And the typical way it would present would be sort of scaling and redness in the eyebrows, mm-hmm. down the sides of the yeah. nose. Yeah. Yeah in the scalp mm-hmm. and when it can get more severe mm-hmm. as you describe with the flare-ups it can obviously be pretty troublesome it can be flared by environmental things like heat mm-hmm. like sweating like light for example mm-hmm. um, this is fascinating because i've got that all right okay okay <laughs> so we're gonna have these yeah, we're gonna have another session yeah. confessions now <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and paradoxically you can use light therapies for this condition but the problem is there's because of this potential for aggravation it you can also have yes. a high relapse rate yes. afterwards yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and because those sort of yeast on our skin are, are there normally and we can never get clear them completely mm-hmm. it is a condition that often will mm-hmm. relapse mm-hmm. and yeah. come back and it's very hard to get complete cure sure. from it so I've you also... usually will always need to have some maintenance treatment with either an anti sort of yeast shampoo or mm-hmm. yes well, uh, yeah you yeah, do I've, use the ketoconazole yeah yeah you know all body hair loss eyebrows down and my hair receding at the top as well 
Yes. So Ooh. that's another condition yes. you have, isn't yeah. it? That's mm-hmm. frontal fibrosing yes. alopecia. That uh, you also have that. So so I think what Anne, you're sort of really showing is that you have got rather a lot of different conditions yes. going on, actually, yes. that... And that's why I've wondered, are yeah. they all connected in some mm-hmm. way? Has mm-hmm. something caused this? Is it the, you know, is it the chronic fatigue? Is it, is it all just... They're probably not all linked, but it's difficult, difficult for me to say um, conclusively. Yeah, yeah. This has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, Uh, thank you. One person with so many. Thank you so much. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to learn more about light sensitivity, please have a listen to some of our other episodes. There's also a wealth of information on the NHS Photobiology website. Details about how to find this can be found on the podcast description. And thank you. Thank you.